Hi, everyone. This is David Cohen, and I'm here with my amazing co-host, Brad Feld. Hey, Brad. And this is the Give First podcast. And in the startup world, Give First means simply trying to help anyone, especially entrepreneurs, without any expectation of getting anything back. So we'll be talking to mentors and founders about what Give First looks like in action and how it makes great entrepreneurship possible. We polled everyone and they said consistently that their favorite part of the show was the legal mumbo jumbo. So here it is. The following discussion is an expression of personal opinion and does not represent the opinion of Techstars or any company we discuss. Our conversations for informational purposes only, including any mention of securities or funds. This is not legal business investment or tax advice and is not intended for use by any investor. Certain of Techstars funds own or may own in the future securities in some of the companies discussed in this podcast. Got it? Welcome to another episode of Give First. I'm really excited to have today the story of Zipline. It's an instant logistics company. Most recently, I read valuation over $2.5 billion. I don't know where it sits today. Maybe we'll learn that. But doing really well, 4 million plus miles of drone deliveries accomplished, 400,000 plus deliveries. Really happy to have Zipline's founder and CEO, Keller Renato, with us today. Welcome, Keller. Thanks, David. Hey, wanted to sort of go back in time and help people understand the story of the company. Obviously, really, really successful today. I'm sure it wasn't in the very beginning, you know, everything that it is today. So learning about how it kind of got to this point and how it's having the impact it's having would be amazing. I want to go back even before Zipline really got started. In Techstars, when you entered that program way back in, I think it was 2011, you were working on a company called Remotive, which was a different company. Talk about that period of time and how it led you to Zipline. When we started Remotive in 2011, I didn't really even know entrepreneurship was a thing until I read Tony Shea's book. He wrote a book, I think in like 2009, called Delivering Happiness. And I got a hold of this book and read it, realized that Tony had gone to the same dorm I had gone to in college. And so he graduated in, I think it was like 2002 and had started these companies. And it seemed like the coolest thing I couldn't imagine. So I ended up meeting him and started thinking totally differently about what I wanted to do with my life. We did not have any marketable skills. <laughs> I mean, I had built computers made of RNA and DNA at Harvard that would operate within human cells, but that was still a little far off probably in terms of something that you could realistically start a company around or commercialize. My friends and I were all starting to get really interested in robotics. It seemed like an area where no one really knew anything. So the fact that we were totally naive was less of a disadvantage, at least. And we also felt like the scale of that smartphones were achieving meant that the scale of the components that go into smartphones, which are all the things that are really required to build a robot, was also extremely high. And so initially, when we started Remotive in 2011, we really felt like, hey, you know, somebody is going to build a legendary robotics company over the next 10 or 15 years, and that could have a really big impact in the real world. And that's how we got started. And it was a pretty different concept, right? That, that was sort of personal robotics. Yeah. Did you pivot into, I guess it was around 2014, into what you're doing today? Yeah, we spent the first two years building these little robots that would move around inside the home and they would actually use a smartphone as the brain of the robot. As we ended up realizing that we were actually building a real company and was this something we wanted to spend the next 10 or 15 years of our lives working on, we started to focus on what was the idea that was most transformational. And we started realizing, okay, like we do not want to be operating in a home. We want to be operating at 
national or at global scale. And we thought that logistics was really good because it just seemed like it was going to be transformed by robotics and automation over the next 10 years. And I think probably that hypothesis was largely correct. I mean, where we stand today, looking at what's happening in logistics, it's like suddenly it's it's the focus of so much technology and so much investment. I think people do realize there's this huge transformation occurring. But to be honest, like in 2011, we, you know, we did not have the experience nor the capital to really focus on an idea like Zipline. It was only by shipping one or two products and showing investors like what our team was capable of that it became possible for us to start talking about an idea as ambitious as Zipline. Yeah, you mentioned Tony Shea earlier, and, and I know that he ended up making an investment in the business early on around the time Techstars did. And, and I think for a lot of us at that time, it was really just yeah, we don't know what this is going to be, but we really like the team. We really like the general space. It would take a few years to sort of figure it out. But when, when you talk about instant logistics, help people understand what does that mean today with Zipline? There are services out there like DoorDash or Instacart that talk about instant logistics today. All of those companies are essentially using one underlying technology platform, which is a human driving a 3,000-pound gas combustion vehicle to deliver something that weighs two to five pounds to your house in the suburbs. The cool thing about that is that demand is really high for that service. People are actually willing to pay a lot of money, more money than most people think the service even costs, in order to get something delivered so that it's convenient, they don't have to take time out of their day, it just shows up in, say, like 45 minutes. The flip side of that is that it's obviously very bad for the environment to use a 3,000-pound gas combustion vehicle to deliver something to a home. It only works for a very small subset of like people who can afford that kind of a service and who live in the right place to receive that kind of a service. Zipline has been really, really focused on building a new kind of logistics system that serves all people equally. And when we talk about instant logistics, we really mean teleportation. In fact, the product vision for Zipline is closely approximate teleportation as possible. And so we want something to be able to be delivered to any home, any hospital, any primary care facility, anywhere in the world in just a couple minutes and to do it in a net zero carbon emission way. We think that this is an obvious future. People really want instant delivery, but it only serves the golden couple hundred million people on the planet today. We want it to work for everybody and we want it to be good for the environment rather than devastating for the environment. So today that means really you're using drone technology and you had to basically reinvent that. You had to build it yourself because what was out there wasn't good enough to do what you wanted to do. You, you made a couple of interesting decisions around that 2015 timeframe, launching the business initially in Africa, for example, which a lot of people would say, wow, you should start in the US. You chose to start somewhere else. You focused in on the medical world. So life-saving supplies being delivered. Talk about those choices and those moments and how they paid off. Yeah, none of those ideas were obvious in the moment. In fact, I think a lot of investors thought that we were catastrophically stupid for doing so. But not me. We we knew it was a great decision. <laughs> we thought it was crazy too. I admit. <laughs> Sometimes crazy is the right strategy. You know, healthcare logistics is a huge industry. I mean, it's a seventy billion dollar industry. Although it only really serves the golden billion people on the planet well, and as a result of that, five and a half million kids under the age of five lose their lives every year due to lack of access to basic medical products. So when we were talking about building a system that could serve all people equally, we really, really felt like you have to focus on healthcare first. The mission's too strong. And also, this is a case where the business and mission align because 
getting regulatory approval to operate at national scale is not an easy thing to do. And the only way we were able to do that was by having every flight be potentially saving human life. And so by focusing on really, really undeniably important missions and use cases, we were able to get that regulator, for example, the Civil Aviation Authority in Rwanda, who's been an amazing partner to Zipline over the last seven years, to work with us to really make that technology possible. I think mission and profit aligned on that front. We today deliver to almost 2,500 hospitals and health facilities across the planet. We serve about 25 million people. And we're doing that all using these small autonomous electric aircraft that Zipline designs and manufactures and operates from scratch. We deliver about 70% of the national blood supply of Rwanda outside of Kigali. And today, Zipline delivers a wide variety of different medical products, cancer treatments, insulin, infusions, transfusions, vaccine. And we delivered 3 million doses of vaccine, some of which was COVID-19 vaccine in Ghana over the last year alone. And about a third of the deliveries we do are emergency life-saving deliveries. And two-thirds are resupply deliveries. So that gives you like a little bit of a sense. You know, most hospitals we serve place orders about two to five times a day. A lot of primary care facilities we serve place orders between one and seven times a week. That system in total has become the largest commercial autonomous system on earth of any kind. And we're now bringing that technology back into the U.S. and partnering with folks like Walmart or Navant Healthcare in North Carolina in order to start to build similar kinds of instant logistics, instant automated logistics in the U.S. as we've been able to do in Africa. But I think it's only you know six years later that suddenly the decision to scale the technology in a place where the need was very high and where a regulator was willing to partner with us to get something into the real world quickly looks like a good decision. Yeah, it's a question along the way. I mean, think about when you first started doing that. I think that was in Rwanda, maybe around 2016, if I'm not mistaken. That first year, what were the challenges? I mean, that must have been a make or break period of time for the company to try to make sure this was working and that it was actually serving the purpose and it was something you wanted to scale. What were the challenges in that first year of operation? Zipline originally launched in Rwanda in 2016. And we thought, you know, we had been building, we started building everything that became Zipline in about 2013. That's when we started focusing on instant automated logistics. And we built our first product. And so by 2016, we had signed a contract with the government of Rwanda. I remember the conversation with the Minister of Health there at the time when I said, hey, we'll deliver every medical product to every hospital and health facility in the country. She looked at me and was basically like, tell her, shut up, just do blood. Blood would be enough. And as she was explaining it to me, she was explaining, you know, 50% of transfusions are going toward moms with postpartum hemorrhaging, 30% are going toward kids. It's this really, really important product for family health. When you need it, you really need it. It's an emergency. And it's really hard from a supply chain logistics perspective because, for example, you have all these different types, platelets, plasma, cryoprecipitates, packed red blood cells, and all of that has different shelf lives and different storage requirements. So, for example, platelets only last six days. So when we launched in 2016, they had originally asked us to serve just 21 hospitals. And we, we were like, okay, we've got this. And so we launched and the first eight months were unbelievably painful. We had onboarded one hospital and we were really struggling to serve that one hospital. There was so many things that we were doing wrong or that we were naive about, we did not know how to integrate with a civil aviation authority. We didn't really have a robust universal traffic management software system. We didn't know how to integrate with the national healthcare system. We didn't know how to do fulfillment operations. The vehicle wasn't as reliable as we wanted it to be. Operationally, the distribution center was a mess. It was taking us way too long to launch aircraft. 
data logging was a disaster. We didn't know how to do pre-flight checks. <laughs> all of the things that we thought were important turned out to be irrelevant, and all the things that we didn't appropriately focus on turned out to be totally debilitating. Sounds like a startup. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. except, you know, it's a huge amount of pressure. And, and luckily, the Rwandan government was patient, and they said, okay, well, you know, take the time you need to get it right for that hospital, then we'll roll it out to all the hospitals you promised us you could serve. Luckily, they were patient with us. They knew that doing something for the first time in the world ever takes time and is not necessarily a smooth path. The entire Zipline team basically pulled all-nighters and did everything possible, both the members of our Rwanda team who were working unbelievably hard at the distribution center, repairing aircraft, fixing processes, working with the government to better integrate And then the teams in the U.S. were really, really focused on rolling out new features in order to solve a lot of these problems. So after about eight months, the clouds finally parted and we were finally able to start serving this one hospital, which is called Kabgai Hospital in Rwanda. And that hospital ended up saying, hey, this is actually working great. We love the service. And from then, it took us another about year to expand to all 21 hospitals that were in the original contract. And now, obviously, we're expanding into the many thousands of hospitals. I mean, just last week, we added another 100 hospitals to the network. And I I almost didn't notice. So it's like, you know, the first hospital took multiple years off of my lifespan. And now, you know, years later, you can add hundreds of hospitals and really not break a sweat. So that is the cool thing about, like, improving technology and improving operational processes, improving the efficiency of the system. It's a lot easier for us to grow today than it was Five years ago. Yeah, once you get that playbook figured out, right, and then you can sort of build the team and scale it. But until you do, yeah, it can be a lot of drama and a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. How did you know and what time frame did you say, okay, we, we can start to take this more, you know, multinational, global into the US? How did you know you were ready for that? Then the additional challenges is maybe there's different regulations and things like that around the world. We spent three years operating just in Rwanda. And that was great, honestly, because we had a really strong relationship with the Ministry of Health and the government of Rwanda. They were betting on Zipline. They'd given us this huge responsibility. And we ended up achieving some pretty remarkable healthcare improvements and and metrics. We were able to take the country from 7% average blood waste rate, which is about an international average, to near 0% which is just like, that doesn't normally happen in healthcare systems. That was thought to be impossible. Going to 0% on a product that is as priceless and precious as blood means not only are you saving the government a whole lot of money, but you're also enabling people to get transfusions who otherwise wouldn't have gotten transfusions. And that was demonstrated in the fact that for rare blood products, we were able to increase access by about 175%. When we were able to demonstrate that with blood, it suddenly raised really interesting questions. Like, wow, okay, well what could be achieved across all these other medical products. And then a lot of other countries started taking note. And so the second country we launched in was Ghana. Today, that's actually our largest network from 2019 and 2020. We built four distribution centers serving about 15 million people in Ghana. That has now expanded dramatically. We're building four more distribution centers and we'll basically get to national scale in Ghana covering almost every single person in the country with instant delivery. We're launching in Nigeria this year. We're launching in Japan and we launched in the US. So the company for the first time is now launching in multiple places at once, which is obviously really operationally complex. And each country has its own complexity. The U.S., because of its size, it's just slower from a regulatory perspective to adopt new frameworks and know how to regulate new technology. The regulatory framework between, for example, Rwanda, Ghana, and the United States is almost identical. So a lot of people think, oh, you know, must be totally different rules. Actually not true. When it comes to aviation, 
It really behooves the world for everybody to be pretty much on the same page about what the rules are. So this is more about where can we partner with regulators that want to adopt the technology and get the economic benefits of that technology by having the country lead in that new industry. And the good news on this front is that the U.S., Congress and the FAA are not wanting the U.S. to fall behind in this like totally crucial new technology transformation and industry. And so the FAA is moving really, really closely. And, and the neat thing is the fact that Zipline has many hundreds of thousands of hours of safe flight data that we can give to someone like the FAA and say, hey, this is actually not an unknown. You actually know exactly what the safety metrics are of this system, you know exactly what the reliability and performance is of the system because it's been operating at multinational scale for five years. So that makes it even easier to, even in a very complicated airspace like the US, that really helps a lot in terms of starting to scale the service here. What an amazing story, because really you're sort of six years into this epic of what you're doing, maybe seven, and just the progress is astounding. So this notion of building a playbook, building it up from there, and then, and then sort of aggressively growing it, you can see how valuable this sort of instant delivery could be for so many types of things really everywhere in the world. So it's, it's such an exciting story. And we regularly have meetings on our funds with our investors. And, and it's always been fun to talk about Zipline and show the videos you guys produce, because not only is it an amazing company, it's really helping people. And that's the kind of thing that investors want to get involved with. So it's just been awesome to be involved in a small way and, and watch your success. The other thing I wanted to mention to you, I don't even know if you know this, but that class in 2011 in Techstars with Andy Sack, three unicorns have come out of that class. <laughs> I did not know that. I knew about Remitly. Who's the third? They were 10 companies. Outreach is the Outreach. other. Yeah. And uh, I forget what was that, that was. their name. I don't think that was their name either, though. It was the hiring company, Manny. Remember Manny? Got it. Got it. Um, and so it's just sort of incredible the amount of talent that was in that class. There have been other successful companies. Zipline, of course, leading the way with something that's really fun to watch and participate in. And Keller, just want to send you a huge congrats. I know that you've got an amazing team that helps and, and some fantastic investors on board. But congrats on everything you've accomplished. Really appreciate it, David. Thanks for believing in us. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks a lot for listening to the show today. We'd love to hear your feedback, ideas, or who you'd like to hear next on Give First. And please leave a rating and review, ideally a good one, and reach out anytime to podcasts at techstars.com or on Twitter, I'm at David Cohen. See you next time. Don't forget, Give First.